Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations. Tips and tricks. Products we love. And brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. I can see you today. This is nice, isn't you it? You can. I know. Normally when we do our intros and outros, we can't see each other. So it's no, nice to, you to see your face. you look very cute. Thanks. So do you. That's not true. I'm sweaty for my Olympic challenge. Um, how, how are you? How was your weekend? It was good, thank you. Um, we didn't do much, actually. Just had quite a chilled one, which is different for us. Yeah. Um, but how about you? Well, I got really into the Olympics this weekend. Is anyone else listening, watching it? Did you see the BMXer? No, I didn't. No. George, right, we've got to talk I'm about good, this. I'm good. Okay, I'll Google it. Because you know that our kids go to the park and use their scooters. And apparently, yes. I was listening to like Claire Balding have a chat about it. And she was like, yeah, it's really exciting because she only, this girl Charlotte only got into BMXing after being on a scooter in a skate park. And that's like a really good way that kids are now being introduced into BMXing. Because they're starting off in their scooters. Because obviously, the skate parks, and if you're a parent that takes your kids to skate parks, are sort of overrun by skateboarders and BMXers. And they're quite yeah. sort of full on down there. And my kids are like... <laughs> With their like little two, three wheelers, like, and this girl, Charlotte, she basically attempted and was successful the first ever 360 backflip on a BMX. It's the most incredible piece of footage. Oh my God, I will watch it. So we is that what we're going to do now? Are we putting our kids forward for yeah. whatever the Olympics is in like maybe, what should we say, 15 years time, well, something they're, like that? They're still, they're, 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 <laughs> some of them, This our, our snowboard, I've got really into it, our sco- snowboarder, Sky Brown, she's 13. So that's basically oh kit in 10 years. 10 years, right, okay. So Luna's yeah. going for the BM, going to be a BMXer. <laughs> Kit's going to be a snowboarder. What should I put Axel forward for? I don't know. What can I put him forward football, for? The football, the football team. Mm, yeah, it's no. a little bit right. I don't know. I think maybe we need something that might knock people over or something like <laughs> judo. that. Judo. Judo. We'll put him for judo and Gigi. Gigi well. for, for tantrums and, and diva <laughs> behaviour. You've heard it here first, guys. Yeah. You've heard it here first. So you can tell what my weekend was made up of doing. In fact, you know what? I've got to be honest. We got absolutely trashed on Saturday night. Having <sighs> the one thing that I needed to do was go to bed early after two weeks on breakfast. And what did <laughs> and I do? Didn't do it. Stayed up till four o'clock in the morning drinking tequila. What's wrong with me? And then the kids got up at 5.30. It's like they knew. Oh, it's it like is. That. 
It is. It, it's like they were just making sure you wouldn't make that same mistake again. Oh they were God. trying to tell you when you need to go to bed early, go to bed early, yeah. and don't and don't do this again because we're in control. Well, That's what guess they were what? Saying. I will not then let them ruin my life. <laughs> um, but we should get into the chat today because yeah, um, it was a really lovely one uh, when we recorded it, and um, I think you know both you and I have heard this amazing person on podcasts in in the past we really love her story on how she got to where she is today uh, she's a really I, I think her opinions I think she's really brave and bold and like she says in the chat she calls out the bullshit which we yeah. really respect yeah and, and also just the whole discussion around birth we you know we say and we do love hearing lots of different birth stories and they're not always good and I guess it's nice to hear that something can be done if you have had a traumatic birth and there is somewhere to go and you don't have to just suffer in silence um so yeah it is a really interesting chat and should we just get to it yeah let's do it who are we chatting to today g today we are chatting to illy morrison so joining us on the podcast today mother midwife birth debrief facilitator i'm gonna be honest with you that's the first time i've heard that phrase so i'm really looking forward to finding out exactly what it is she has a really powerful voice in everything around birth advocacy and birth trauma specialist in that field today we're really excited to welcome to the podcast illy morrison hello hello thank you so much for having me <laughs> illy for those who don't know much about you just tell us a little bit about what you do um and i guess how how you got to be where you are now. Yeah. So I'm Illy Morrison. I am a mother of one. I have a daughter, Ihsan Sophia. She is two going on like 20 something. Um, <laughs> I am a midwife. Um, I, I sort of used to teach hypnobirthing. I don't teach it as much at the moment. Um, and I am a birth debrief facilitator. So yeah, I kind of stumbled into all of this um, in, in a sort of, I suppose, in an authentic way, which is good. It's how you want to find your footing and, and your passion, um, if we can all be afforded that privilege, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I qualified as a midwife in 2017 um, and I worked in a big, busy London trust which was excellent. Um, lots of exposure to lots of interesting things and people. Um, definitely felt like I was thrown in at the deep end, um, but it was brilliant. Shortly after I got pregnant, um, what I was doing was I was living in Norwich where I'm from and commuting and going to London and doing 12 yeah. and a half hour shifts. And then, so I'd do that four, three to four days a week. And then I would come home for the weekend or the days that I was off. Um, right. And actually, it was really exhausting. So I mean, it sounds really exhausting, yeah, especially I'm, when you're pregnant as well. Yeah. Do you know, when I was pregnant, I didn't even know. I honestly, I felt the best of my life when I was pregnant. It was like I felt like it was really fine. Um, but then after I had a son, I had my year off, and then I wanted to go back. And what I was doing was I was taking her with me to London, dropping her at my sister in law's, who would have her for the day, or you know half a day or whatever I was working and then we'd be in London for two days and then come home and that just got a bit ridiculous to be honest like with a one-year-old yeah. and yeah. it was just too much and then because of my own birth experience I found going back into clinical practice quite difficult um and so in the end made the decision to hand in my notice um I quit 
unsure of what I was going to do, applied for a job in Norwich, really not wanting it um, and got it. Um, but kind of just like left it. I was like, oh, I don't know. Hello don't to know. Illy's boss. If there's <laughs> things, no, she's, she's loving her new role, actually. Really enjoy it. <laughs> I was say she didn't mean what she said. <laughs> I'll take it all back, promise. Um, <laughs> so I then um, started my Instagram page. My husband had gone to Spain. It was the beginning of the pandemic. My husband's Spanish and he'd gone to Spain to work and ended up getting locked down there. Um, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm a bit bored. Um, I'm going to start an Instagram page where I just sort of blog a little bit. And um, very, very rapidly, it kind of took off. Um, and in I think within a year, I'd sort of amassed like, I don't know, like 22,000 followers or something like that. Um, so six months into that, people would tell me their birth stories all the time. And I was like, okay, well, you know, that's great. I, I love hearing them and helping them. And then I thought, well, why don't I offer it as a service, which is how birth debriefing came about. Um, so I offered it as a service. First couple of, maybe the first month, it was like two bookings a week, um, but it's now booked up two months in advance. So it's, yeah. I think there's clearly a, a need for it. Um, so yeah, that's that's me. I really don't want to talk about myself anymore. So that's it. <laughs> no, 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 no. This whole podcast <laughs> is about you. Um, just because uh, that was going to be my question, a birth mm. debrief facilitator, um, yeah. a phrase that I actually haven't heard before, I'll be completely honest, mm. but you've obviously just said that people were coming to you and telling you their birth stories. So, yeah. so just tell us why there is a need for one of you. Yeah. So basically, I mean, birth trauma is rife. It's it's it affects yeah. approximately uh, thirty thousand women annually, um, but I think that is sort of a gross underestimation. Um, predominantly because of the definitions around trauma, a lot of people don't think that they've had a traumatic birth, or as in they don't think that their birth is worthy enough to be called traumatic. Um, and there are uh, sort of certain communities where they don't speak about birth trauma, let alone report birth trauma. So these numbers are significantly lower. Um, the reported numbers are actually significantly lower than I think the reality. Um, but a lot of the time when when we're left traumatized from our birth experiences, it takes processing and space and time and sort of someone who can empathize and understand um, Having had a traumatic birth myself, worked through that, I think I kind of was positioned well to take on the role. Um, yeah. And yeah, so that's what it is. People will come to me and they will discuss their trauma and they will will sort of unpick it and explore it and help to sort of reframe things. Um, a lot of what I do is about accountability and how to comfortably blame people or systems or situations um, because I think a lot of the blame we take on ourselves and that is not yeah. our burden to carry and so sorry you said you don't want to talk about yourself <laughs> but <laughs> I want to kind of talk about your birth yeah. and you know why was it traumatic who are you you know who would you blame yeah. like you say we, you know we should put point blame on people or or systems and also how did you unpick it and sort of feel comfortable with it yeah um so my birth was like one of those births that as a midwife I'm like yeah that's pretty standard like that's what we do like you know slow progress um uh call for cesarean section cool yeah. um but actually living in it is very different 
I'd planned a home birth. Um, I started as a home birth uh, and I had a really horrible midwife who came to my house and, and she, at the moment she stepped in my house, the energy was wrong. Um, oh, no. She didn't want to be there. Um, and it was very obvious. Uh, and then it, it kind of created a very hostile environment. And if we think about birth and how birth works, it needs oxytocin. It needs you to feel comfortable. Yeah. It needs you to feel safe. And if you're not feeling any of those things, it actually I, I felt like I shouldn't be feeling like this in my house. And that is why I'd chosen to have a home birth so I could feel comfortable and was feeling anything but. Um, and when you have a home birth, Lily, you can't choose your midwife, can you? You no. can't say, I would like, so it's just a midwife that is on call and it's kind of like that person will come and help you through the process at home. Okay. Exactly. And, and yeah. you know, if I'd have wanted to, I could have had an independent or private midwife, um, but I, I didn't really think that was necessary. I felt that I was armed with all the tools. I knew how to advocate for myself. I had um, my sister-in-law who was effectively my and my sister was there as well. I was, I was absolutely, I felt sort of well equipped to um, to deal. Uh, and yeah, so in the end, I wasn't progressing. I got to five centimeters, and I wasn't progressing. And I and I, um, Ihsan was back to back. And when babies oh. are back to back, there is just nothing quite like it. I had one too. <laughs> so you know, you know, Zoe. Oh, I mean, it's just. <laughs> Yeah. It's special. Um, and what was happening is I was I was getting these coupling contractions. So one after the other, after the other, and there was just no break. And this midwife said to me, oh, um, you know, you could have done it, but I think you're just too tired. So, and that kind of thing, you know, we're coming up to three years in October. I, I, I'll just never forget that because I think that that was mm. really just useless language um it kind of put the sense of failure on me rather than yeah. just being like oh actually do you know what maybe you could just do with some pain relief some rest how do you feel about that not yeah you weren't able to do it um and I just actually I remember at one point she decided to come near me she hadn't been near me the whole time she'd sat away from me and she came near me to see if she could help me to get into a position and I remember physically just recoiling and I thought you know what I can't actually be here and so I transferred into the hospital worst car journey of my life um <laughs> and got into the hospital and I went to the midwife led unit and they gave me some pethidine now I'd always really wanted to try pethidine as a midwife who'd given pethidine I was like go on then give it a go and the pethidine just allowed me to sleep a little bit. Um, but what was happening was Ihsan's heart rate was dropping after contraction. Now, again, the series of events that I already knew. And she said to me, the midwife woke me up and she said, oh, my heart rate's dropping after each contraction. We're just going to go to labor ward um, to monitor her closely. And I remember getting all my stuff and walking down the corridor and saying to my sister-in-law, I'm going to have a C-section. And she was like, no, don't give up. You've got this. It's fine. I said, oh, I'm not giving up. I just know how this works. Yeah. I know what's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. Here. And we got to the um, labor room and I was hooked up to the monitors. I've been there, for, I think, maybe about five minutes. And this doctor comes in 
And she says to me, so we're going to start the hormone drip because that will help you to progress. And now for me, the midwife in me was like, no, you're definitely not. I was like, you're telling me there's a baby whose heart rate is dropping with each contraction and you want to put more pressure on her. The answer to that is categorically no. And she she was so pissed off. Sorry. She was so annoyed. <laughs> it's all right. No, we like um, a swear on this <laughs> podcast, Lily. Say whatever you want. The naughtier, the better, to be fair. <laughs> she, was, she was absolutely livid. And she, she looked at me and she was like, um well, I'll give you five minutes to think about it and then I'm coming back. And I was like, I don't care. Like, I don't care what you want to do. She walked out, she slammed the door. She came back a few minutes later and she said, so what are we doing? I said, we're not starting the hormone drip. Um, We can, she said, well, you've got four hours and if you don't progress in those four hours, we will be starting the hormone drip. And I just remember thinking... God, you're a dickhead. And (laughs) also just being like, I'm not going to be pregnant in four hours, babes. Like, I know I'm not going to be pregnant. So it's really okay. So I'm just nodding thinking, yeah, okay, bye. Um, Because actually, and the reason why she was an arsehole was because that is no way to speak to anyone. You are not in charge of of my birth. You don't make decisions for me. And you also need to let your ego leave the room. So it was like being challenged was a real issue. Yes. Um, So... She left, shortly after she left, Ihsan's heart rate went down for a prolonged amount of time. So it worked out to be about three minutes. Her heart rate went down to about 70 beats per minute. And it, oh my gosh, the the alarm bells went off and everyone's running in the room. And I was like, chill guys. I remember being out of it, but saying to them, calm down. So I'd worked at a hospital where they are very hot on um, fetal monitoring and so we wouldn't have acted like that in that time. I was like, it's okay. It's going to recover. I kept saying to him, it's going to recover. It's going to recover. And I had this man, <laughs> I just keep, I always remember his face and he was to the, to the right of me and he was trying to put this cannula in the stupidest place in my arm. It was like in the crease of my arm and he was trying to put this cannula in and he was, his hands were shaking. So maybe it was his, his first emergency. And he, <laughs> there was just blood splatting everywhere. It was getting all over the floor. And I was, I just remember looking at him and I said, can you just put it in my hand? <laughs> and, and then but I was so dehydrated. I'm sure there were just no veins. And then they said, category one cesarean section, which is cesarean section under general anesthetic. And I just went, no, you're not. No. I was like, no, you're not going to do that. And the shock, like he was like, what? And I was like, yeah, it's not going to happen. Like, I don't need Who to be was he? Was he, was he the... He was um, the obstetrician. The, the obstetrician, yeah. <laughs> and was he going to be told by a lowly midwife what he was going to do? And I was like, yeah, you're not going to do that. I was like, it's going to recover. It will be fine. And then we can talk about it. And within about three minutes, so about, th- about three minutes, um, it recovered. It came back up to what's known as a baseline. So it was normal and... Um, he just looked at me like this and he goes, fine, we'll downgrade to a category two section, which is where I was, would be awake. And I was like, fine, whatever we can, you know, we can get her out. She wasn't born for another hour, like hour and 45 minutes. Um, and in that time, everything had been absolutely fine, but I was just mm-hmm. like, oh, I'd, I'd, I'd handed it over. I'd given up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they had like five failed attempts at the spinal and it was just, I honestly, it was one of those really odd out of body experiences. And I don't know if either of you have had cesarean sections, but when 
they put the spinal in, obviously you can't feel anything and they yeah. test it and they say, lift your legs. And it is the oddest sensation because you're like, I'm lifting them. And they're like, no, you're it's not. the same as an epidural? Is it the same process as an epidural? It's the same I've process as an epidural, but it is yeah. like, like dead as like you yeah, can't feel yeah. absolutely yeah. anything because um, with an epidural now you kind of control it don't you like you get a clicker yeah and it what? can be topped do up you? yeah so yeah, some hospitals are yeah. like yeah and others the midwife will come in and then top it up if it wears like wears off so, so Illy do you think that whole because you you're a midwife you know you're a midwife you've worked in hospitals you mm. know you know how they run you know the fantastic care that we get on well, the NHS is just we're so lucky to have it so do you think that that was a failing of that day or do you think that's the overall look at really this the sort of potentially the people that are working in this like what what is that because you know looking or hearing that story and stuff you know how brilliant the staff are I mean we got some amazing care in our experience it was incredible so what do you think it was just a, a day no 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 it's not a day um no I would love to tell you it's a day um I think midwives are overworked they're understaffed yeah. Um, I think a lot, a lot of us have become jaded by our jobs. We're burnt out. Um, and birth is gradually becoming more and more medicalized. Yeah. And so as we move away from the sort of normal physiology of birth and the increase of intervention, which is known um, nationally, we've had national increase of intervention from induction to assisted deliveries to mm-hmm. um, cesarean section. Um, it, it is it's caused this kind of um, inability to sit on our hands and wait. So we don't, mm-hmm. you know, it's constantly like we need to do this and we need to do that and we need to do the other and we need to intervene. Um, and that actually, because of the p- paternalistic nature of um, birth. Uh, it's sort of like um, the midwife is in charge or the doctor is in charge and you are not, um, which yeah. is what I find a lot, which is a lot of people that come away from their births with their trauma because they they didn't feel like they were active participants and they were told what to do. Um, and so there was a lot of that. And I don't, you know, it's not, it would be unfair of me to say every midwife is like that because I full well know that they're not. Um, yeah. But within every system, there are real we'll be right back after this short break ready to pop the question the jewelers at blue nile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 
so you say as a midwife, your birth, you you know, you went through those kinds of births, you know, on a daily basis, but being in it is quite different. So do you think because you knew everything that was going on and you were in a good place to say, I mean, if I'd have heard someone say category one cesarean in the room, I would have probably just gone, yeah, they know best. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, they know best. So I'll just do it because I wouldn't even know what that meant. But I guess when you're in the room and you know what all of these things mean that's going on and you know in your head what's best for you, do you think that almost heightened the situation? Like you said, there was a lot of egos Mm. in the room and they didn't want to be told by a midwife what they should be doing, what they shouldn't. So do you think it comes from a place of people in that environment don't want to be challenged? Yeah, I think there's a part of that. There's a part of like, you know, because ultimately I think a lot of people that call for interventions believe that they are doing the right thing I don't believe that they're in it to cause harm so they believe that that's the right call um but ultimately it doesn't really matter what they believe because it doesn't matter what the issue is you as the person giving birth are the ultimate authority over what happens to your body and what happens to your baby Mm -hmm. now the, the issue with that is that you have to take accountability for whatever outcome there is you know if you if they give you one option and you decide to go against it well you have to be ready to be like well if anything happens I know that that was my call my responsibility yeah right but I don't even think we know what the right thing to do is because we're not we're not professionally trained we haven't done any medical you know I was so out of it in my first labor like someone could have said you know take this and you're going to grow another head and I would have gone okay (laughs) cool (laughs) cool. I need two heads at the moment um (laughs) do you know what I mean though like it's you have to really trust the people that you're being looked after by yeah I think as well you have to go and do your own research there are some people that actually being what is essentially known as like a passive participant it really works for them Right. So just right. being like, I trust. This. I think that was me. That's me. I think that like, I, I, I think I work, yeah, work by trusting mm-hmm. somebody like I'm happy in a, to be in a situation that I don't know a lot about and I'm not medically trained and, you know, I've only given birth twice. So I sort of feel like, OK, you know better than I do. <laughs> And I'll just trust you. And that's yeah. it. For some people, that's that is yeah. way more comfortable. And they're like, you know what? This is well beyond my scope I can't I can't deal um and they hand it over and that is fine as long as the choice you are making the choice to hand that over yeah you know that's fine I I completely support people that decide that that's what they want to do again it's that accountability that anything that happens you hand it over and and that's fine but I also think that there are some people who that does not work for I'm one of them like that does not work yeah ask my husband I don't hand over anything (laughs) Um, and so it was like that was never going to be that was never going to work for me um and and for me it was like I do not know you from Adam like you're not going to come and tell me something like why would I trust you I didn't work in that trust if the call had been made by the trust that I worked in I feel like I would have trusted them I would have been like okay cool let's go I didn't know these people and they'd already been really rude and really horrible so no oh no (laughs) I'm so sorry that you had that experience it's not it's not great to hear is it but obviously you've done so much work on it so what so what can be done because you, you said about, you know, the fact that you felt like midwives were overworked mm-hmm. and, you know, it was becoming something that it didn't start from. So in your opinion, how do we start changing that system? Um, yeah, I mean, I th- if I'm honest, the whole system needs a complete overhaul from mm. from education through to policy, through to staffing, like the whole thing needs to be stripped right back Um 
And it's very difficult to do that now because we are so far in. Um, yeah. I think that midwives who aren't able to do their jobs with compassion and with kindness um, through to whatever, for whatever reason, we all have lives. We've all got things that are happening and I empathize with that greatly, but I feel that if you are doing more harm than good in the role that you are in, you need to step back um, because you yourself are, are, are being damaged, but you're also damaging others. So it's about, it's a lot of self-reflection. And again, it's a privilege to be able to say, well, I'm just going to quit my job. We can't all afford to quit our jobs like that. So, yeah, you know, yeah. but then it's about a lot of work within. How can you work on yourself to find the joy again? Is it about moving to a different area? Is it about exploring other passions, you know, as an area in the hospital or in with the midwifery, you know? Um, and I think that would make a difference, but also just trauma-informed care, um, which is really needed at the moment during the pandemic because... Yeah, we've got a lot of people birthing alone. Um, a lot of people not getting visits from their postnatal their postnatal care's crap, but it's always been rubbish. Um, sort of in recent years, um, and so yeah, we just you know trauma informed care and and real kind of um, support for midwives um, who are struggling. Um, you know, who who are finding things really difficult, and that's also been heightened in the pandemic. Um, the stress that they're under so you know but yeah lots of advocacy lots of lots of compassion lots mm. of kindness I wish that I wish that you'd been around before we had our um our births because Georgia had some really like positive birthing experiences and my first one was absolutely horrendous and really? I felt like I was in trauma for about six months afterwards but as you said there wasn't any postnatal care around it mm-hmm. in fact I didn't even know about birth um, about birth trauma I didn't even know that that was going to be a thing because in my head I was like, oh, I'll just have a water birth. And it's going to be great. I'm just going to slide out and there's my baby and it's going to latch on. And it was like three days of hell, you know, hell. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. I, I really do think this is a brilliant thing you're doing. And also I think as well that, you know, you can go through a traumatic birth, but then because you're thrown into this new role straight after and you're learning about feeding and you're learning about sleeping and you're learning about all the stuff that comes with a new baby, you almost get put to the side. So whatever, hap- whatever happened in those days, days leading up to the birth and however it happened that almost gets pushed to the side yeah, doesn't it 100%. and do you think that's where these issues come up is that people don't address them until months have passed and they might suddenly have some time on, of reflection yeah. you know once once they kind of know what they're doing um with their baby yeah I get so much of that most people come to me like between a year, 18 months. Um, And it makes complete sense as to why, because we know that once babies hit around one, um, there's a slight element of independence that happens and that you might get a bit more, they might sleep for a couple more hours, but also you feel like you've perhaps got into your role as a mother a little bit more. um, And it gives you this small window to reflect on yourself um Mm. the whole nature of motherhood of modern day motherhood is complete martyrdom um and so if you were to think about yourself it's like whoa 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 but you're a mother now you don't get to think about yourself and it's like no you do you do get and I you know I constantly reinforce that you get to think about yourself at all times because in order to give to your child and your family you have to think about yourself but a lot of the time we don't do that so we bury these things we bury them we bury them and win nightmares and flashbacks and 
not being able to hear other people's birth stories, not being able to walk past the hospital and, you know, and, and I deal with trauma across the birth continuum. So from contracep- contraception, conception to um, well into the postnatal period, I've um, sort of facilitated debriefs for people who are 10 years postpartum. So it's not right. limited as to sort of just the birth. Some people have great births, terrible pregnancies. Yeah. Some people have terrible pregnancies um, and a horrendous postpartum, but an okay birth. You know, it's, it's, the trauma and the difficulties arise for different people in, at different times. Do you know what? Weirdly, um, Luna, my, my Luna is going to be five in September. Um, the other day I got a flashback about the blue lighting situation where mm-hmm. I was like rushed into the ambulance and blue lighted over to the main Gloucester hospital. And I hadn't thought about, like I have no memory of it. And the hill I got this flashback. I don't know if I told you this, G. And I all no. I remember was, thinking I'm alone in this ambulance I'm hooked up to all these monitors baby's heart rate was dropping Dozzle was in the like it actually made me feel like I could have burst into tears Mm -hmm. because suddenly just came back like it was I was feeling terrified and not knowing what was going to happen and you know was Luna going to be okay you know exhaustion but yeah I just got this like it was dark it was night these flat like it was horrible 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 something I hadn't thought I'd obviously completely blocked it out yeah Exactly. Because that's what we do as a protective mechanism. We're like, do you know what? I don't have the capacity to go there. I, my, my, my mind can't do it. Um, This is something I don't want to remember. And I certainly don't want to relive. But the why I encourage people to talk about these things in safe spaces. So not just like, just, just talk about it. Because some people may belittle your experience and some people can just gaslight you or brush you off. And then that causes an even deeper sense of trauma. Um, yeah. But I encourage it is, is because why should you have to live like that? And why should you just be minding your own business and suddenly get this flashback that kind of knocks you for six? Mm. Um, and so it's worth it. And everyone is worthy of speaking through their experience and working through it and processing it. And, and you know. And so, you know, if you book a, a debrief with, with you, is, is that what you do? You sit down and you almost unpick what happened and you talk through it and you address it and um yeah I, I guess that's that's how you learn to deal to with something it, like, yeah. something like yeah. that we talk about sort of like how it impacts because the thing is a lot of people think that birth trauma affects perhaps your relationship with your child and maybe it does for some people it can cause what is known as like hyper arousal or hyper vigilance which is like a real connection where you don't feel safe to leave them with anyone and and like a kind of intense attachment to them Mm. um for others it can cause issues with bonding and things like that but actually the birth trauma can affect your relationship with your friends it can affect your relationship with your family it can affect your relationship with your romantic partner and so when you start to talk about these things with someone who doesn't know you and so I have no sense of loyalty to your partner to your friend to your midwife to anyone Mm -hmm. and so I might be able to then help them to see how by not speaking it through with their partner it has created a sort of void there and it, they're basically just ships passing in the night. Mm. And mm. what tends to happen is people go, oh my gosh, I hadn't even looked at it like that. And so then we talk through it and I say, why don't you just write them a letter or drop them a text or go out for dinner and talk about it? You know, go to a place where they can't run away and just talk about it, you mm. know? And then they're like, oh my gosh, yeah, I feel like I need to do this. 
And it's, mm. so it's about kind of those realizations and then coming up with really kind of proactive ways in order to work through them with no time limit. No, you need to do this now. It's just think about it, you know, give it a go when you feel safe, when you feel comfortable. Um, yeah, and it's 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 been quite successful so far. And I'm <laughs> I imagine that I imagine that if those conversations are not had between the people that are around you, and if you don't explain how you are truly feeling, a lot of um, anger and resentment and mm-hmm. all of that sort of stuff can build up. It's so important to be able to discuss them with the people that you love, um, because you know that's it's that age old thing, isn't it? It's like oh, you're you're okay. You've got your baby now. Baby's oh, healthy. Yeah. Oh, it's fine. Baby's healthy. You're fine. And you're thinking, no, I'm not fine. Uh-huh. I'm mm-hmm. I'm not fine at all. Yeah, mm. I'm still processing yeah. it. I'm not fine at all. But also, I don't feel like I can tell you that because now no. you've told me that my baby's healthy, so I should be. Yeah. I should be fine. Yeah. Exactly. Do you know, Ely, what I love uh, as well about what you do is the whole pay it forward aspect mm. that you have on the, on your, you know, on your website, because, you know, you do have to be in a privileged situation to be able to pay for a, a debrief. Yeah. You know, it's not for everybody. And I think, you know, that the fact that you're addressing that and, you know, giving us, you know, people the opportunity to do that for somebody else. I think it's absolutely incredible. I think it came about because I wanted to find a way in which to um, help people who didn't necessarily have the money, needed the support, but not because this is my only source of income. So it couldn't be at, th- at that yeah, time. I wasn't it, able yeah. to do it for free. It just didn't work. Um, and so I thought, you know what, I'm just going to put it out there because people might like to do it. And I think I've had like over 30 debriefs paid forward. And that is absolutely Amazing. bonkers because, mm. yeah. you know, that £65 is not a small amount of money. And no. I've had people say, I want to buy five, you know, and it's like, oh, hello. Uh, that's fine. Here's my yeah. bank details quick before you change your mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Transfer, quick, quick, quick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and how do you go about allocating those stocks? Yeah, so basically I put the call out. Um, it's always out. And I just say to message me, I never, ever, I, I make sure it's clear. I don't want an explanation. I don't want, um, I don't want you to beg. Like, this is not about that. Like, just let me know, Illy, I need one. And it's yours. Um, they go on a list. And as soon as I get one, they get a message. If I've got one already, then they just have it automatically. Um, and I, I always emphasize the fact that it's just based on honesty. The people who pay forward to me trust that I will pass it on. Um, and I yeah. trust that someone would never take it from someone else um, if they had the financial means. Um, and, it, in, you know, I found that people are really honest. And actually, I don't care if they're lying because that's not for, that's not for me no if, if you're lying then yeah. that's on you um so yeah. you know it's really up to them and I trust everyone until they give me reason not to <laughs> <laughs> um Illy uh, here's something that I read earlier on uh women of color in the UK are much more likely to die from complications surrounding pregnancy and childbirth than white women mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to have a you know, we wanted to have a discussion with you about that as to why and, you know, what are those complications and, and what, yeah. Why, and what, why can, we what can we do? Yeah. Yeah. So at the moment, um, black women are at a four times greater risk of dying um, in pregnancy, childbirth and the postpartum period when compared to their white counterparts. Um, brown women are at a 2% chance or twofold chance um, compared to white women and women of mixed heritage are at a threefold um, increased chance. So 
Um, this is an issue here in the West because we have access to healthcare um, and for that to be happening is um, is is something that needs to be examined closely. Um, I think it's it's important to note here that maternal mortality is very very low um, yeah. in this country. However, uh, four times more likely to die is a it's quite significant. It's a lot. Um, it's quite a burden for Black women to carry a fear, um, which is a very valid fear. Um, yeah. So let's look at why. Um, so some of the reasons that have been found through Embrace are that um, black women are not attending their appointments. Um, they're a low socioeconomic status. Um, yeah. Language barriers. Yeah. Um, and uh, systemic racism. Um, so systemic racism is where there may be racists working within the system, but it matters not. Even if there weren't racists working within the system, the system itself would still be racist. Yes. So the issue that we have here is that it's a much bigger problem than just plucking out racists and being like, you can't work here anymore because you're not safe. Yeah. Um, and another issue is that a lot of it is is unconscious bias. Um, mm-hmm. and, th- and this is where people perhaps don't even realize that they carry these biases, such as black women yeah. not feeling the same amount of pain as white women. Um, and so they're in practice and they're not giving adequate pain relief or they're not believing black women when they say that they're in pain and they're sending them home with um, abrupting uteruses. Um, because it's like, well, you're not expressing your pain in the way that I've seen white women express pain. So, you know, that's not the issue. Um, but ultimately it is. Um, so we, there are a few issues. I mean, I think socioeconomic status is an interesting one uh, because if we look at other areas wherein racism is is very evident, um, it's in school, it's in job opportunities. Um, and so... We look at socio low socioeconomic status, but why yeah. are these why are these people living within these categories of low socioeconomic status yeah. anyway? So the issue goes back to then childhood, like what happened. You know, black boys, I think, are sort of like I think it was something like forty percent more likely to be excluded than white boys. Well, if you take them out yeah. of education and they no longer have access to schooling, well that's not going to help their economic status is no. it so we you know a lot of it does tie into the to racism and bias um and yeah that's that's a big issue wow i mean it's a huge issue and like you said it's the bi- it's the bigger picture as well because you can try and go and do the little bits that you can do but if the system is fundamentally flawed which it is um you know that that takes a real kind of you know rejigging readjusting re-education all the rest of it huge job yeah i think a lot of it is white women we can <laughs> white women can really help this issue um, more than they probably think that they can because from experience and actually from, you know, I I know this, when white women speak, things happen. Um, And so if we decide that every time we hear someone's experience of racism, instead of saying, are you sure? We say, they said what? I'm going to go and deal with that or I'm going to take that on. How How can I support you? Because what tends to happen is I'll say to someone, oh, that was racist. And they'll be like, 
I was it. I'm sure she didn't mean that, Ellie. Right. Like, maybe she's just old or maybe she's just a bit ignorant and I'm like listen that was racism so if if what we do is when we're when we're listening to black people speak and we actually go right I'm believing you how can I support you in this then together and as we want to be we want to move communally and we want to support one another we can definitely do that um you know and this is from on the wards if you hear a black or a brown person being spoken to in a way it's about saying hold on I'm not going to stay quiet because I don't want to make waves I'm going to be like what are you doing you know I'm going to call out the bullshit over and over again I call out the bullshit to my detriment I'm sure I think my Instagram page would be a lot bigger if I didn't call out the bullshit (laughs) but like you know if 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 you if you call out the bullshit without the fear of not being liked or of being of of not being a troublemaker ultimately it will do much better for your soul (laughs) for your Mm. spirit for for your you know for your overall sense of well-being and really kind of showing up for everyone because that's what we want to do yeah wow well, you're amazing. Um, I feel like our time is up. That's so, That's so mad. tragic. I'm I feel so like sorry. we need to. No, not. What do you mean, so sorry? No, That's what I've got. Daddy's sorry. Not at all. <laughs> it's so interesting. I could literally listen to you talk all day. For someone who said they don't want to talk, and then you talk so, so wonderfully. <laughs> no, listen, my husband would literally be like, don't believe her when she says she doesn't want to talk. She doesn't <laughs> shut up. I just think it's a really lovely moment to end on. And I think everybody listening, it's like, it's uh, it's our chance now to call out the bullshit. And that's what I'm going to, that's what I'm going to do. I hear that, you. That is, yeah. If we take one thing yeah. away from this podcast, yeah. it's that. Yeah. Thank you, Illy. Brilliant to have you on. Um, please come Thank back and see us soon. Me. I will. I will. <laughs> Thanks, lovely. <laughs> Thank you. Take care, guys fascinating I know it really is and you know what and I said it obviously during the chat I really love that she is trying to make the whole birth what is it called birth trauma facilitation accessible to everybody because that is so often the challenge isn't it it's that like we we say oh you know you can go and see a therapist if you've been through something you know you need to talk to someone but actually not everybody has the means to do that um Mm. and so you know if you are listening to this and you you know you're feeling well generous or you want to help someone out then do check that out on Illy's page because I think it's it's an amazing initiative Uh, also I think there's a couple of things that I want to say um I had a really amazing um midwife and every midwife that I've come into contact with has been incredibly giving wonderfully supportive show me a lot of love and caring and my experience wasn't Illy's experience and I don't think I think it's safe to say that the same for you George definitely Um, and I think it's really important on the podcast to get lots of different voices that have lots of different opinions but what I don't want is midwives listening to this feeling that they are being called out because myself and Georgia don't feel that and I guess you can only go on your experiences. So I just want to, yeah, yeah you know, I think it's important. I, th- I, I, I feel it's important for me to say that today. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting that Illy was kind of saying that it's not necessarily the midwives themselves no. that, um, you know, want to be making, you know, these decisions or being rude, but they've got, might have something going on sure. at home or, you know, they've been worked into the ground and they've had absolutely no rest. And, you know, all of us, 
would not thrive on no rest or in a system that doesn't support it, it us really set up yeah, that well. Sure. Exactly. So it's definitely not us midwife bashing on this because I mean I've spoken about how much I love my midwife before with especially the one that I had with Gigi. Yeah. Um so it's not always the case, but I guess, you know, there are there are gonna be cases, you know, where others have had experiences like Illy did. Um and so, yeah, it's definitely I'm, worth us discussing. I'm still mates with my midwife, Sue McGibbon. <laughs> Big up Sue McGibbon. She's like in her 50s and is an absolute legend. Sometimes just pops around for a cup of tea. We, we made such a close uh, bond and such a close connection. In fact, when she wasn't there that. to deliver Luna, because she wasn't working that day, I was literally like, dude you've got to be there and she was like I can't like she's up north she's like I can't do it I can't do it and I was like you've got to be there Sue so she came around a lot after us and bought chocolate hobnobs oh that's do you know what as well Charlie who was my midwife of Gigi actually messaged us on Instagram and she said it was so nice to see um like how Gigi is after I mean is that her her, is can I blame her for her tantrums (laughs) probably she's a, Charlie she's, if you're listening your it, yeah sorry Charlie um, <laughs> but yeah no it was a really fantastic chat so massive thank you to Illy um, of course if you do want to um, rate review and subscribe to the podcast that would be absolutely amazing you can also follow follow the podcast as well so you get kind of regular updates on when the podcast goes live and we love seeing your pictures we do and we are going to be doing a birth Q&A on Friday's episode so look out for the question tab on Instagram um, we'll be discussing all things birth but if you have got any other suggestions for topics for that Friday Q&A please drop us a DM on at Made by Mummers or on Zoe's own channel at Zoe Hardman and we'll be back on Friday Made by Mummers is an insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the wonderful Imogen Hart Insanity Group. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.